Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome into Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the world champion Houston Astros. You know, I keep saying that because it, with everything going on with the Saints, a lot of negativity with the Cajuns around that their program and what people are thinking and saying and the way the season has gone, I, I just have to keep telling myself to kind of reinforce, it's okay, you know, everything can't be perfect. Move on. Anyway, simulcast on Stadium 32.3. 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111-706-0111. We'll be speaking with Koki Riley. Lots to talk about with LSU and the national picture and all in the next segment. And we're going to be talking some high school football with Church Point head football coach John Craig Arsenault. This first week of the football season, for a lot of schools, like we mentioned on Monday, it's kind of like um, preseason football. You know, if you're a fan of it's the whole hurry up so I can wait. Oh, can't wait for the playoffs. Oh, the playoffs, the brackets are out. Uh, we don't play this week. It's just kind of, you know, if you're, you know, Karen Crow or STM or Notre Dame or you know, LCA, all these schools that have Turlings, all these schools that have buys. It's like you're all excited. The brackets are out. And, oh, what, what, how is this going to work out? And how is this going to work out? And we want to make it to the dome and all. And then uh, you don't play this way. And if you're Karen Crows, oh, the postseason's coming. And uh, they will go. When you count practice weeks, I mean, when they, they're going to go three full weeks without playing a game. No games. So it's uh, inactivity is, I don't know how much inact, you can get healthy, not playing for three weeks essentially, but how ready are you to play? So it's kind of strange with all these buys, uh, but in a lot of, again, that's how a lot of the private schools have been living for a while now since this split thing. And for a historical perspective, that it, it it's not totally new. I I can remember back in the in the eighties there was a lot of buy. The the buy thing is not a total new concept. And so I uh, that's not a um, that's not totally new. But it's it's just kind of strange. So anyway, we'll be talking about Church Point's matchup with Rain, which could be a doozy on on Friday night. It was a doozy the first time they met, and so we'll be talking about that as well as the overall state uh, high school football picture. So if you have any comments on any of that, certainly feel free to call the game hotline at 706-0111-706-0111. It is... Um, it is... Kind of strange. I, again, we've been doing this midweek Cajun stuff for a long time now. Um, and we should be used to it. Uh, it. It's just my weeks always get 
I don't know what word you want to use. Just it's it's hard, you know, when you especially in football season, doing what I do, it becomes uh, it, you become a big time creature of habit. Like you do this on Monday, this on Tuesday, this on Wednesday. And this week has just it's been a mess. The election last night. It's not that I stayed up and watched all of it, watched a little bit of it, but um it's just, you know, in the middle of the day having to leave and fight traffic and go stand in lines. And I, it's just, I'm just not used to all that. And then I, and then I self induced me a problem on Monday when I forgot my bag at home. I showed up for radio without my bag. And so that messed me off. It's just been a week of not normal. <laughs> and, and an added to all of, and then, you know, you're, you got this depression about the Saints on a Monday night and then basketball season starting and then you're trying to celebrate the Astros winning the World Series. This week has just been a mess. There's been nothing normal about this week, nothing, other than, you know, we're going to interview Koki hopefully. Now, if, if something happens with getting Koki on, then, then it's going to really kind of fit into the abnormalness of this week. And so my head's kind of spinning right now. I, again, I – I'm used to the I'm used to doing things each and it's not been an it's not been a normal week. And then of course we have Thursday night football tomorrow with the Cajuns against Georgia Southern in a game that's just critical. Now I uh when when we interviewed Cody yesterday, Cody seemed very confident. That if the Cajuns can beat Georgia Southern at home and Texas State on the road in the finale, that they'll get in. I, I, I again, I don't. I mean, it, it, we're guessing because we don't know what everyone's going to do. But the raw numbers going into this week, there are eighty-two spots. Just to throw it out there. There are 82 spots for bowls. That's a lot. 51 teams are already bowl eligible. So there's 31, um, as they joke and slash say, that's um, it's public school math. 31 spots left. And so... There are 13 teams out of 130 that have been eliminated. Only 13. That's not a really high number. And I believe, I didn't write it down right here, stupidly, um, but I counted it up yesterday. I think there were one, two, I think there were 13 teams that have six losses that are playing this week. Now, now, the chances are of all 13 losing, that's probably not real good. I mean, you know, who knows? Probably about half. You would guess roughly about six or seven, maybe eight are gonna lo- of those are going to lose. Uh, if you're three and six or four and six at this point, you're probably not a great football team. So you probably have a decent chance of losing. So let's just say eight of those 13 lose. Um, you know, then that puts you at 21 teams at eight would be not, you know, would be out. They're eliminated from bowl eligibility. 
That's still a pretty healthy number going with two games to go, or roughly two games to go. Not everybody's played the same amount of games, but everybody's tipped basically within one. And so the numbers don't look tremendous, but it's possible. That's from a macro view of all of this, right? You know, looking for just tomorrow night, the Cajuns have to just find a way to win. And, you know, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a scary matchup for the Cajuns because you're playing a team that can really throw the football, and you hadn't really done that all year long. Um, Rice turned out to be a better passing team than the, than the, than we thought going in, and they had a lot of success throwing the ball on the Cajuns. Nobody else has really been a good passing team. Like, Troy didn't have hardly any yards passing through three quarters, midway through the third, I should say. And then all of a sudden, they started completing almost every pass they threw. I mean, they weren't, through two and a half quarters, the passing game looked awful. Awful. And then they just flipped a switch. I mean, just boom. They completed one pass. We talked about it yesterday. And then just boom, the rest of the game was just totally different. And again, I don't want to... I, I, I say these things to remind myself and y'all. When I see that happen in a game, like happen at Cajun Field on Saturday, it reminds me of the argument that a lot of people say uh, in other games that I think is just wrong. And, and that is, well, it doesn't matter that the coach made that call. It doesn't matter that the quarterback threw that interception. It doesn't matter that the kid fumbled the ball right there because they were getting beat by 17 points or 20 points anyway. They were going to lose. It doesn't matter that the official made that bad call and cost the team a touchdown. They were down 17 or 20 points anyway. They were going to lose. Uh, that is not good logic. I think I don't, we hear that and you see that and and people say it and I just it doesn't happen all often, but there are plenty of examples of where one play, one call, one bad coaching decision, one missed field goal, one completion in this case. I mean Troy was facing third and six. If they if the official calls holding on that play. On the third and sixth completion for like, I think they got 16 yards and a first down. And they don't get, the game might have been over without one call, might have ended the whole game. And, and, and yet he completed it. And all of a sudden, a passing game that was completely inept, they had hardly completed any passes through two and a half quarters. They, they completed almost every pass the rest of the game in, in one. I mean, it's just complete about face. So you just, you just never know. But it, it's, uh, the point of all that is the Cajuns are going to be playing a passing team they haven't faced in a long time. On the flip side of that, Georgia Southern's last in the Sun Belt in run defense, last in total defense, second to last in, in passing defense. So tr- the point is Georgia Southern's defense hasn't played very good football this year. The question is, can the Cajuns' offense take advantage of that to the point of controlling the clock and keeping – their secondary and their defense off the field against a very explosive passing offense. And so it's a lot of intrigue in that matchup and a lot of importance for the Cajuns um, 
you know, to, to win that game. All right, let's do this. We'll take a timeout. We'll shift gears. We might talk about the Saints. I'm so depressed and frustrated and angry. Uh, we got to talk about it some, but we'll, we won't do that right now. Right now we're going to talk about happy things, especially for LSU fans. We'll take a timeout, and we'll talk LSU football with Cokie Riley of the USA Today Network next. Stay tuned. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. might get me regular but uh we can't listen to that whole song it's just not it's just not kosher well welcome back to footnotes kevin foot on the game want to remind you that um the mcneese coaches show it's tonight from six to seven you can hear it at maplewood burgers and it's sponsored by line of bed out of westlake southwest louisiana law center jim gazzolo will be taking uh, Talking Cowboys with the McNeese Coaches Show, uh, and it, it is done at 4453 Nelson Road at Maplewood Burger. So tune in tonight from 6 to 7, coming off a nice win, and the thought process is they're going to win the game, end the season on a three-game winning streak. Bill, for the, going into the offseason, we'll see if they can do that, and you'll hear all about it tonight on the McNeese Coaches Show from 6 to 7, right here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Right now, it's time to talk LSU football with our friend Koki Riley. How are you, sir? Doing great. How's it going? Well, it's kind of crazy. You know, my Astros won the World Series, which is just tremendous. The Saints season is is pretty much in the sewer right now. Uh, and then we got LSU had a great win over Alabama. The Cajuns blew a 17-point lead. So it's just like all, all over the place right here. Yeah, um, when the Astros won, I, I did. I definitely thought about you, and uh, uh, I, I didn't have a lot of time to think because it was also at the same time as the, as the LSU game. But yes. it was definitely a hectic Saturday for sure. Absolutely. All right. So it's a main. Um, you know, the thing that has struck me this week is, first of all, you know, we talked about it last week. Could they beat Alabama? Of course, they could beat Alabama. We didn't know if they were gonna. And Alabama uh, certainly had looked beatable. But the thing that struck me since that game is we've got, you know, we're late in the year, but we still got two or three games left. And it seems like unless there's some big upsets that happened, like that the SEC matchup's pretty much set. Like, am I fooling myself here? I don't think you're totally fooling yourself. Uh, I would say the East is all but sewn up at this point. Uh, Georgia just needs to win one game, and they are the SEC East champions. Um, they hold the they hold the uh, they hold that divisional advantage. Of course, Georgia's undefeated. Um, and then Tennessee is, and I think Georgia beating Tennessee obviously uh, puts them right in the driver's seat. Uh, in the SEC East and in the SEC West, LSU beating Alabama um, gives LSU just either two two more wins or an LSU win this this upcoming Saturday, and then uh, uh, then all, then Alabama will have to beat Ole Miss then to give Ole Miss a second SEC loss, and therefore that would clinch the SEC uh, West for LSU. You know. 
And then A&M, they ain't won a game in a month. Now they're going to play two teams, but, you know, Auburn has got its own issues. And, you know, UMass is UMass. So, I mean, theoretically, they they could win two games going into that game. But, I, you know, and like you say, it may not even matter anyway. But, I mean, it's just, I don't know. Uh, you know, Arkansas, I guess you got to pay attention against them. They can score some points, but they hadn't stopped anybody. So, it's just, it's incredible that the position that LSU was in after these, you know, great wins over Ole Miss and Alabama. Absolutely. Um, I, I don't think Arkansas, I don't think this game is a guarantee by any means. Arkansas is still a solid team. Um, they still have plenty of talent. And they can still run the ball very well. Their offensive line is really good. KJ Jefferson is a quality quarterback. Uh, you're right in that their defense has really struggled this season, <clears throat> especially when it comes to their pass defense. Um, uh, but their pass rush is still pretty solid. So I, 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 I this Arkansas game, uh, it's definitely not a push pushover. Uh, they could get upset in this matchup. That's not what I'm picking, but it's something to definitely keep an eye out for. Um, you know, sort of that trap game feel, especially after an emotional win against Alabama. Um, but again, you're you're absolutely right. The fact that this LSU team is is in the driver's seat of winning the SEC West and having a chance to potentially even play for the playoff um, against Georgia in the SEC championship game. Although I'd be very very surprised. It also beat Georgia in a theoretical SEC championship game to make the college football playoff. The fact that it's still there and the fact that the de- their own destiny is weirdly in their own hands when it comes to that is is just remarkable. I, there's no other way to put it. All right. Is there any scenario in your mind? And, and uh, first of all, do you like doing all this scenario stuff or does it kind of just – make your brain just want to explode and you and and you'd prefer to wait do you or do you and really enjoy it some people relish going over a million scenarios i think it's kind of fun um it, it's a good like mental exercise and i don't know the what if game i i always i've always enjoyed that sort of stuff so i i'd say yes for sure all right so is there any scenario in your mind that lsu beats georgia and doesn't play in the final four Oh, that's a really good question because I thought you were going to ask me, does LSU have a path to make the playoff? And that only path is, uh, of course, winning out, and including beating Georgia. And if they don't do that, then they don't have a chance. If they do that, I think they're probably in. Um, there really aren't many, if any, scenarios, I think at least. Well, again, it's what I think. It's, it's hard to predict what the committee is going to do exactly, but I, I figure they'll do this as well. In, in which LSU won't make the playoff if they win out and beat Georgia because they will have beaten the number one team in the country at that point, like easily the number one team in the country. They'll have wins against Alabama and Ole Miss. Yes, they would have two losses, but they would also be the SEC champion. Um, but do I they leapfrog Georgia, yeah. though? Do they lip, do they leapfrog Georgia with a win over them? Probably not just because it would be Georgia's only loss and they also they also beat Tennessee pretty easily. Um, I mean, I, I could be wrong by saying that, but that's just kind of my instinct at the moment. Also sort of depends how how much Georgia how well Georgia finishes its, 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 its season. If it uh, you know wins a couple squeakers and kind of limps to the SEC championship game, maybe that sort of changes things. But if they you know, if, if it's business as usual and they're destroying and they destroy their opponents the next three weeks, then I have, I have trouble seeing them. I, I think Georgia's in the playoff in any scenario. Just just to be clear, but 
Um, maybe LSU could hop them in that. In that, but uh, I, I think the more important thing for LSU is that if they win out, and they're, I, I think their destiny is more or less in their own hands because if this team wins out and they beat Georgia in the SEC championship game, um, in that theoretical world, uh, they would make the playoff. And as a two-loss team, they would be the first ever two-loss team to do that. And it's really remarkable. I, I mean, the, the fact that we're even having this conversation is really a testament to how how quickly things have turned around for this program. Well, and again, LSU won the national championship on the last miles with two losses, but they were coming from the top and just happened to lose these two overtime crazy games and, and other teams lost. But to, to come from the bottom, so, so to speak, and with two losses, exactly. this is just incredible. I mean, it's just, it's incredible. All right, so if you're an LSU fan, to, to try to avoid the, the question I just asked you, basically, is the whole idea is you just need TCU to lose, or what, what, what are the things that you really need to be rooting for here? I think if TCU loses, that makes things a lot easier. And I think if Michigan loses to Ohio State, I also think that makes things a lot easier. Because if Michigan loses, I don't think they make the playoff. And the reason why I say that is because Michigan's schedule outside of this Ohio State game is just not very hard. I mean, it, you look at who are the toughest teams Michigan has played this season. It's probably Penn State and Maryland. I mean, their non-conference schedule is kind of a joke. Um, the, the rest of the Big Ten is just as simply isn't very strong. And Ohio State's really the only marquee game that they have on their schedule. And I, and I guess Penn State's the next best team. And it, it does help them that they beat Penn State by quite a bit. But, I mean, LSU, in, in this theoretical world, again, they would have – Matchups against today would have wins against Georgia, Ole Miss, and Alabama, all teams that are better than Penn State. So you'd, you'd have to pick, pick LSU, the SEC champion, and with wins over those three teams over a team like Michigan, it, even if Michigan only has one loss, right? And then if TCU loses, then the Big, not, the Big 12 has been terribly, uh, terribly top-heavy this season. It's a very even conference. Um, a lot of teams are more or less – uh, more or less the same in that conference. A lot of good teams, not a lot of great teams. And TCU is really the only great team, and we're still not 100% sure how great they actually are, given how surprising their season has been. Um, so if they were to lose, I, I would have to imagine an LSU SEC champion would be just ahead of them. Um, that would be a little bit of a closer debate, in my opinion. But I, I think, but overall, I, I think if TCU loses and Michigan loses to Ohio State, um, or lose to anyone, in, in, in fact. Uh, I, I, I'd have to imagine that's good news for all the SEC teams, including LSU. Okay, so your best guess, if Oregon runs the table, TCU runs the table, LSU runs the table, Ohio State wins, who's left out? <laughs> oh, man. You're really, you're really putting me on the spot here. Uh I think Tennessee's – let's just start with Tennessee, I think, would be out in that scenario, especially if Oregon oh, yes, and they're out. ran the table. Yes. Um, you're saying TCU runs the table, TCU right? and Oregon. I, I think – my guess is that LSU would jump Oregon, right? Because I don't see – if TCU wins out and goes undefeated in the Big 12, which isn't a bad conference, but again, isn't a, even if it isn't a top-heavy conference – with all these top teams, then I, I, I'm, I really have trouble seeing them missing the playoff, right? Especially when they're in the final four right now. 
Um, so I think it, TCU would be in. Ohio State would be in because they'd be undefeated in, in their Ohio State. And then Georgia, I, I think they'd take Georgia over Oregon, especially since Georgia destroyed Oregon earlier in the season. And, um, yeah, I mean, I doubt that scenario happens just because I think it's hard for uh, to see all those teams go undefeated, right? I mean, a lot would have to happen. It's not like the Pac-12 is a guarantee for Oregon to go undefeated. USC and UCLA are still hanging around. Those are still, still quality programs. But if all the favorites um, win, that, if all the favorites win, that's what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, and all the favorites plus LSU winning out, right? Yeah, um, that's the most uh, unlikely that, thing is probably yeah. LSU beating Georgia. But 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 again, we're just yeah. having fun with all this talk because again, if exactly. I'm an LSU fan, I never I never dreamed about having these conversations. So you might as well go down that road and have fun with it. Exactly, exactly, and I, I think the playoff to just to finish off your question though, the, the playoff would be Georgia, Ohio State, LSU, and TCU then. If that were the case, and I think Oregon would be lot would be the odd team out, um, but you know, it, but like I mean, I, I, I doubt that LSU would beat Georgia again. Like that's yeah. I mean, it, Tennessee got everyone. Every team that Georgia has taken seriously this this season has been rail has been just totally railroaded by them. So I, I just have really I just have trouble honestly seeing anybody, let alone LSU. Um, beating them this season, so I, I, but it it is, but of course it's the fact that it's enough, this is enough of a realistic realistic enough of a scenario and um, serious enough of a conversation to have is I, I think I think that's that's the real that's the real accomplishment at least for now um, when it comes to this LSU season. All right, uh, one more thing. If I if you were going to list the one thing that um, six weeks ago you didn't really think LSU would be able to do that they've been able to do in terms of run the ball, pass the ball, pass defense, specialty, whatever, whatever unit of the team, what's the thing that you didn't really see them getting to at a certain thing that they've gotten to that it's allowed them to be in this position? I, I really didn't think LSU's offensive line could hold up um, against SEC competition, I thought that was going to be the Achilles heel of this team. I thought it was going to lose them games against some of the top competition in uh, the SEC this season, and it simply hasn't really happened. I mean, they've had their ups and downs, but they've definitely been good enough to beat a team like Alabama. And and to do that with two freshmen of the tackle spots and some, and all the movement they've had, especially in the, in the first half of the season, it's really remarkable. Um, I mean, it's a testament to Brad Davis. It's a testament to the coaching staff. Uh, the fact that they've been competent at that spot. Um, I know that's not the sexiest answer, and I could go with a whole bunch of different. I could answer this question a whole bunch of different ways with the with LSU's passing attack, um, with the secondary gelling so quickly, uh, all all those sorts of things. But I, I I really think that LSU's offensive line, particularly when you're starting to freshman at the offensive tackle spot, the fact that that unit's been as competent as it's been and as good as it's been at times. They've been legitimately good in some of these games. Uh, that That is probably the most surprising thing to me, especially after watching that Florida State game. All right, a correction. I didn't look at the line. Should have done that before I made that statement that I've been informed that TCU's actually an underdog this week. So what, what, what I said was not correct. I mean, obviously, mm. the fact that they're – 
undefeated doesn't nest because, like you said, they they're a surprise and like they're coming from down, like in the twenty range in the minds of most people to get to the point that they are. So, you know, we'll see what. what I, and I, I don't know. I, I still don't know how good Texas is. I mean, I know every we people. all thought Texas was a little better than because they almost beat Alabama, but it turns out Alabama's not all that special. So I, I don't know how good Texas is. I mean, people picked. TCU finished last in the Big 12 this year. Uh, this is They are the biggest surprise in college football this season. Um, that includes LSU. LSU has in, in probably been one of the five biggest surprises in college football this season, but TCU, I think, is number one in running away, just given how, I mean, their Max Duggan wasn't even the starting quarterback to start the year, and here they are, you know, it, what, four wins from the playoffs, basically? It's crazy. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, credit to TCU, credit to that program, credit to Sonny Dice, and they. But they, but I, I mean, as you mentioned already, like they have a really tough matchup this weekend against Texas. This is their biggest test, and it's not going to get to- much easier for them after this as well with Baylor and Iowa State uh, left in their regular season schedule, and that's even before he gets to the Big Twelve title game. So it's going to be really, really hard for that team to go undefeated, and and I think that's by far their best chance of making the playoff is just simply winning out oh yeah they they I, I i yes i mean if they lose out then lsu's path is obviously difficult because nobody really does anybody really think they're going to beat georgia i don't know but other than no. beat the beating georgia which i understand is like a mountain but other than that i think it they're in good shape is unless they they trip up against a team that they're better than and uh, and if I'm an LSU fan, if if I went out and I don't, you know, you can live not beating. I mean, that's just you're. That, you talk about gravy. I mean, that's just, you know, your mama's gravy there. If, if if LSU wins out and they're, you know, they lose to Georgia, you know, you weren't supposed to. So it's tremendous. All righty, sir. I appreciate your time. As always, it's uh, gotten a lot more interesting on on the LSU front and the SEC front for sure. We'll talk again next week. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Take care. Koki Riley of the USA Today Network. I uh I kinda I kinda agree with Koki that TCU probably won't be able to pull it off. I I just think the thing that's fascinating to me along that line and all these scenarios is I I have no problem with like discarding a week one game. I've always been highly critical of putting so much emphasis on the on a game that takes place in early September. And so it's kind of like LSU. I think in most people's minds, LSU's early loss is going to get discarded, but I don't think Oregon's early loss is going to get discarded. So yeah, I don't know. Uh, they say that there's an anti-West Coast bias, and I guess I'm part of that machine, but uh, we'll see. All right, we'll take a timeout, come back with more on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Casper the Quitter. Casper the Quitter. Now, the former New Orleans Saints longtime head coach who quit on the team after a tough season. Also known as Sean Payton. Now back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Folks, we have a very exciting offer here. If you are, you know, in the corporate world, I guess they call them small business owners. I love the term mom and pop 
business. Uh, we're not talking about the big corporate giants like the Walmart to own the uh, Denver Broncos these days, but we're talking about small business owners, mom and pop business owners, great opportunity here to buy some advertising at a discount rate, but it's only for today. You can get a 30-second spot for both radio and TV at a very affordable price, but you have to book it today. If you want if that if you're interested in that again, if you are a small business owner, a one-day only sale on advertising right here at Delta Media. If you are interested, give Delta Media Sales Director John Ed Cochran a call today at 896-2692. That's 896-PJ-Williams-Davenport. 896-2692. Give John Ed a call today and take advantage of Delta Media one-day sale to small business owners. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111. 706-0111. If you would like to comment on our conversation with Koki as far as LSU, and, you know, obviously it would be a huge punch in the gut for LSU fans to lose to Arkansas or A&M. I just, I don't see that happening. But again, you know, upsets happen. We get that. I don't, I, a lot, usually in the past years, when LSU goes to Arkansas, I, my first thing is, okay, let's check the weather report because I, can, I have some memory, uh, a lot of memories of really bad weather when LSU goes to Arkansas. Seemed like I have that memory in my mind. So, um, you know, that would be the first thing to check, that the weather's not going to be really bad. But past that, I just, I mean, you just got to not do stupid stuff and turn it over. I, you know, I think they're going to win out now. Like to Koki's point, can they be Georgia? I mean, I don't, can anybody be Georgia? I don't. I don't do really. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Um, and Vince Dooley died this year. Like Georgia has to win, right? I mean, everything is kind of pointing to Georgia here. But um, but I get it. If you have any comments on that, um, do you buy the Oregon thing? I um the fact that they got beat that bad by Georgia I think is going to be held against them but the fact that they lost an early season game at Georgia I don't I mean all they had to do is schedule some you know like a you know do schedule someone take schedule one of Alabama's non-conference games and Oregon, and they'd be in, they'd be sitting pretty right now. They, they'd probably be ahead of of TCU because people had much higher thoughts of them coming into this season. I mean, all you got to do is schedule Alabama's non district schedule, and and and, and uh, Oregon be in business. But um, we'll see how, how how that plays out. So yeah, look, it's lots of fun. I part of it makes me a little. Nervous isn't the word, but like, man, is you know, the whole subjectivity of college football, there's something about it I don't really like, but it is what it is. I mean, it's been that way forever. I mean, and, and so you could argue it's less subjective now than it was in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. I think that's a fair argument. It's probably less subjective now than it was then. Um, 
And so I guess you could say progress has been made. And other many would argue more progress would be made, especially this year if you go to a 12 team. Uh, because, you know, depending on who wins and loses, there may not be a humongous difference between, you know, number three and number eight or number four and number eight this year. Uh, the only thing about going to us, there's something that's not fair about it because somebody's going to get an extra chance that all these other teams for the last two decades didn't get. You know, there's just something about that that's a little, again, that the whole subjectivity of college football really, I don't really like. Now, it's probably great for what we're doing right here, sports talk radio, because we can discuss all these scenarios. I mean, I personally, years ago, completely OD'd on the old, the whole, you know, we hate the BCS. And I mean, I just, enough of that. I, I, but I am one, I, there are many people out there that are in this crowd, and I've always been in that crowd. I root for chaos just because I don't really love the system. So I root for chaos to uh, expose the system to potential change as much as possible, and maybe one day it can be done more correctly. But uh, and so and I, and I think a lot of you in that in that in that group as well. But no, uh, certainly any thoughts you might have on that. Uh, feel free to do it, but no, it it is um, it it really is remarkable. It it it's it's very different than LSU's last two loss team that won the national championship. Because again, the LSU I don't know they, I don't have to go back and look. I don't know if they were favored in every game, but they were like thought of as like a favorite to or one of the favorites to win the national championship. No one. Even when SEC play started, no one was even remotely thinking that LSU would be in the national championship picture. And so totally different, even though it could end up being the same, could, could, could play for the national championship with two losses and that, you know, that didn't happen very often. It could be the same, but, but again, those two seasons, I don't even think you can, they're not very comparable. And so it, it is. It is truly a remarkable story. And to Koki's point, the TCU story would be as well. I again, it's hard to play that many losable games in a row and win them all. It's 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 hard, and that's that's why you know the argument for you know, a lot of people love college football over the NFL and a lot of people love the NFL over college football. And I think the argument for the NFL is you have more stretches where you go four and five and six games in a row that are losable. Not that many college teams play four or five or six games in a row that are losable. That didn't happen in the SEC unless you kind of play all of your tough games in a row kind of thing. You know, most very few schedule. Now, at the mid-major level, it happens a lot. I'm talking about at the, you know, teams that you're determining to win the, you know, competing to win the national championship. Very few times that you play that many games in a row that, that, are, that are losable. Or that, you know, unless you, like, have five or six turnovers, you know, kind of thing. But, um, but you know, so, that, that, so the, the, the chore for TCU is a, is a really tough one. But um, I don't think they're going to play anywhere near as good as Georgia. 
I don't know that they're going to play anybody as good as LSU, but that doesn't mean they can't win. I mean, they can't lose because those teams, they, they play teams that can beat them. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. All right. We'll take a timeout. Come back, finish out the first hour. Remember, more high school football talk in the second hour. It is high school football playoff week, and so we'll be examining some of those scenarios next. But for now, we'll take a timeout, come back, finish out the first hour on the game. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you about the Louisiana Christmas Channel where you can listen to all your Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Nonstop Christmas music 24-7. You can either listen live on lachristmaschannel.com or download a free map, a free mobile app on both your Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. Listen to Holiday Cheer 24-7 with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. I am probably really close to a mindset of being able to do that and it helping my overall mental stability because it's been, as I said, such a roller coaster ride of emotions. And If you're not a really big baseball fan, you probably don't get it. But baseball, you know, all the years that the Astros were in a, um, you know, not were struggling and not really going to the postseason. A, a World Series run, and to be fair, it was a little less this year because the Astros swept the first two. But can you imagine had they gone – a full five with the Mariners, a full seven in the ALCS, and then went six or seven. It was tough enough as is. It is a serious emotional investment. Like, if you are a big fan of a Major League Baseball team, these days, the way it's set up with all these rounds, if you go to the World Series, it is a serious, I mean, I am still emotionally drained. It is a serious emotional investment for what, however long, many weeks that is. I mean, first of all, the whole season is. If you are a follower of your team for 162 games, now, you know, you have work and life. And so even if you're a serious follower, you follow somehow, but, you know, you miss a game here and there. And I mean, that's going to happen. You know, life happens. But. But it, you pretty much follow, you know, 140, 150 games out of the 162. And then you got, and then the playoff, it is a serious emotional investment. So I'm still just totally emotionally wiped out right now. It, 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 uh, and, and again, I'm, I'm like that with a smile because the Astros won, but still it, it's tough. Speaking of the Astros, um, we, the news kind of Bob Nightingale Tweeted out yesterday, it looks like the Astros have decided they're going to extend contract offers to both Dusty Baker um, and the GM Click, um, James Click, for, through the next year. That doesn't seem like it's not like a long-term commitment to them or anything, but it sounds like they're going to be back anyway to try to win two in a row. Also, today news come out the Astros did not pick up options on Will Smith, not a surprise. Trey Mancini, not a huge surprise. Um, again, the, the, the not only did the Astros win, but there's really 
they're, you know, they have six potential free agents, and none of them, you know, Lemus Diaz. Can you win without Elizabeth Diaz? I think you can. I mean, it's just nobody's like, oh, man, they got to read. You know, there's no Carlos Correa's here. I mean, there's nothing like that. There's no really big decisions to make. You know, there's going to be all kind of rumors. Uh, you know, you've already heard some names, the Josh Bells and the Jose Abreu's have been tied for the Astros for a long time. Are they going to revisit this Wilson Contreras? I mean, I don't know what they're going to do, but – um, there's not a reason to believe Justin Verlander's the big one. I mean, I guess that's the big one. Are they going to re-sign Justin Verlander? If he wants two years, six, you know, 80 million, they probably won't. If he agrees to something less than that, probably will. We'll see. It's, uh, it, it you know, baseball is hot and heavy right now in free agency already. It's crazy how that works. That's one hour down, another hour to follow. Stay tuned. Broadcasting live from the Delta Media Studios in Upper Lafayette. Two hours of sports talk like none other. Footnotes with your host, Kevin Foote. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foote on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. You can watch us on the simulcast stadium, 32.3 or 133 on LUS Fiber. The game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to get in, again, NFL, any postseason baseball, or look backs at the World Series. We're going to be talking high school football. If you, uh, We talked more about it on Monday than we have normally do, certainly. Uh, with the Saints playing Monday night and the brackets coming out for the high school football playoffs on Sunday afternoon. So um, if you have any thoughts on that, and again, we'll be speaking with Church Point head football coach Sean Cray Arsenault in the next segment. So talking some high school football as we open the high school football playoffs. Also want to mention, we've got um, the state volleyball tournament is going to be in Lafayette at the Cajun Dome starting tomorrow. Big weekend for high school sports. Now, again, like I said in the last hour, there's quite a few teams. Most of the schools that made the playoffs in Lafayette Parish are off this week. Not all. Acadiana is playing Riverdale. And, again, you can hear that game right on MeTV, FM 97.7 FM, 1330 AM, or on your free mobile app. But um, also, um, Let's see. Ascension Episcopal. That's the other team from Lafayette Parish that made the playoffs. That's going to be playing. And Northside, the Northside Vikings, will be playing this weekend. They, you know, there is one plus to having to play in the district that Northside plays in. If you win three or four of your regular season games, and then your power rating is going to be pretty good, even though you're like three and seven, because you know, you're playing a brutal non, you know, a brutal district schedule. And so um, that's the one good side of it. Other than that, it's, 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 it's not, it's not, it's not really that great, but same thing with North Vermillion. North Vermillion didn't have a winning season, but they got in They're in the playoffs because they play a brutal district schedule and those teams win a lot of games. So their power rating, uh, their, their power rating is, is good enough. So, We've got those teams playing this week, but, you know, Turlings and Karen Crow and Southside and 
you know, uh, LCA, so many of the other teams in Lafayette Parish that made the playoffs are, are, are on a bye week this week. But again, you have the um, the football playoffs start this week. You have the state volleyball tournament where you got St. Thomas Moore and, and Turlings are on a collision course to play in the finals on Saturday. In the Cajun Home, you got Westminster having just a fabulous season, and they're one of the favorites. Uh, to, to, to make the finals. You've got ESA playing Ascension Episcopal tomorrow night about 6 o'clock. So, you know, there are a um, just a lot of Notre Dames in it and Lafayette Christian. So a lot of teams, nine teams total. Catholic and Iberia is another one. Know that I might have left someone off. But, uh, but there were nine teams from the Acadiana area that are going to be participating in the, uh, in the state volleyball tournament, which is the quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals. Um, tomorrow, so good luck to all those teams. Um, NFL. It's not, you know, it's not a great subject for me right now because the Saints are are so frustrating. But I ha- we have been doing something all year long, and so uh, you know, got to continue it, got to finish it. This pad we've been talking about. It's been our QW chart or our QW uh, evaluation, I guess you would call it. And a QW is the term that I give for quarterback worshipers. Most of the media in this country, most of the fans that I hear in this country are what I call QWs. They think that that football is little more than a game, a game of horse between quarterbacks. And so I say, well, let's let's examine each week and see how often that happens, for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about. And so I kind of divide them into thirds, kind of like an upper third, upper echelon quarterbacks, to kind of the middle-of-the-road quarterbacks, and then like the bottom-of-the-barrel quarterbacks, you know, situations like the Saints have right now. So um, so each week we do it. This past week, there were seven games won by the superior quarterback. There were four games won by the inferior quarterback. And there were two games where they were the same. Now, you know, some weeks there's as many as seven or eight games where it's kind of two quarterbacks in the same level playing against one another, and that happens. This past week there was only two. Now, so the the the, the season running total, by the way, is 50 games won by the superior quarterback, 39 games won by the inferior quarterback, and 47 games, a higher number than I'd like, but that's just the way it is, where the two the two quarterbacks were essentially on the same level playing against one another. To me, that is not an emphatic. Like, if this was an election, that would be a runoff. Nothing, nothing overwhelming about these numbers. Now, one of the ones that I wanted to point out, though, that on paper, and I gave it to him as a win for the QWs, win for the QWs, but in my mind, you don't have many – Layers to pull back, peel back to say that this was not really a win for the QWs, even though I gave it to you. I gave it to you. And I'm talking about the Sunday night game between the Tech, the Titans, and the Chiefs. You have arguably the best quarterback, again, a difference of opinion, but he's in the discussion for the best quarterback in football, Patrick Mahomes against Willis, a rookie, 
who you could argue is the worst starting quarterback in the NFL this past week. You know, you could argue a couple others, Andy Dalton, some of these, but at least Andy Dalton's experience. Willis is just a rookie, and, and, and they don't even, when he's out there, I mean, Andy Dalton's better than him right now. There's no question. Just be, Now, one day Willis might be better. We'll see. But, but Willis is probably the worst got quarterback to start this past week because he should, they don't even have a passing game. He didn't hardly throw any passes. I mean, the Titans, Much. I mean, he didn't hardly throw any passes, much less complete any or make an impact with a passing game. I mean, he was, you know, it was just all, can they play defense and run the football? Like, and they took him to overtime. So why, again, you know, the old, the old line, statistics are like a bikini. They show a lot of things, but they don't show everything. It, 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 it kind of works this way in this thing. Like, technically, the QW's got to win here. But if there was ever a game that really proves the point that I've been trying to make with this whole exercise, it was the Sunday night game. You have a team with basically playing without a quarterback, essentially. They're basically playing without a quarterback. They're trying to win a game against a quarterback that mo- many people think is the best quarterback of all time or and or is arguably the best quarterback in the NFL right now, according to a lot of people. Played a game against a team basically without a quarterback. <laughs> I mean, they could have put someone playing Wildcat there and could have done what Willis did. They could have put a running back at Wildcat and done what Willis did. Really, they could have. And Patrick Mahomes' team won barely. They were leading, they were losing the whole game. Like if there's ever a game that illustrates that football is a team game, it was that one. Now, I didn't watch much of it. I followed it on my phone. But um, Again, you got to fight your battles. You got to pick your battles, I should say. You know, Michelle, had, you know, it was the day after the World Series ended. Saints weren't playing that day. The Broncos weren't playing that day. So I had to be, you know, I couldn't be overly trying to, you know, jam more sports down her throat. You know, you got you to gotta be wise with this stuff. Uh, and of course, she would say, "I'm not very wise the way I do things." But I mean, but but still, I followed as much as I could. Is the point? And and it was, you know, the Texans were leading almost the whole game. They played tremendous for not having a quarterback. And uh, it, you know, it's football's a team game, folks. It just is. And uh, we're gonna follow through this exercise. Hopefully, many of you get the point. Now, I know that there are a lot of you out there that are QWs, and you can say all you want. It's all about the quarterback, and and there are going to be many of you out there, no matter what I say or do or what the game's point out, you're just going to believe what you believe. It's a free country. Go ahead. Believe what you're going to believe. But hopefully some of us get the point that football is a team game. Um, and if you play defense, which is what the Saints were supposed to do, I mean, supposed to play defense. 
Uh, if you if you're supposed to be good on defense and you're good on defense, it really should not matter that much. I mean, obviously you want good quarterback play, but if you have good running game or good, de- I mean, you I mean the, the the Texans, the Titans. I keep saying the Texans. The Titans don't even have a passing game. Like they don't have any receivers. They have none. They have a great running back. They don't have a quarterback. They don't have any receivers. Their tight end play is not even as good as it has been at times in the past. And yet, they're right there playing with arguably the best team in football and, 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 and they're ta- on the road and they're taking them to overtime. With no, no wide receivers, no quarterback, and just okay tight end play and a great running back. <laughs> Explain it to me. The Saints should have been able to do that because they had plus running backs and plus receivers on the roster. I mean, they never play. Saints should have been able to do that. I mean, not necessarily be have that record, but maybe. Man, I watch a lot of Saints and I watch a lot of Broncos. If the Saints had the Broncos defense, oh, pitiful, embarrassing how bad the Saints defense is this year embarrassing that is awful they were supposed to be good and they're horrible we can talk about quarterback play a lot and I do and I'm I'm done with the Andy Dalton thing but let's not mistake it the Saints are where they are right now because the defense is miserable and it was supposed to be good I mean I was hoping it'd be great but it was at least supposed to be good and it's been miserable All right, we'll take a timeout. Shift gears to high school football with Church Point head football coach John Craig Arsenault next on the game. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Medicine season. Medicine season. Now. A season in which a college or professional sports team suffers a disappointing season due to injuries or fluky incidents, also known as paying the piper. Now, back to the man with his very own language. Kevin Foote and Footnotes on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Before we get to our special guest, want to remind you to go to 1037thegame.com or 104thegame.com today. Join the Rewards Club and you put yourself in position to win $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House or maybe $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or $25 gift certificate to Mabel Kitchen there. You can't win any of these or other great prizes if you don't join the Game Clubhouse. So do so today at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. All right, as we said, we have Church Point head football coach John Crate Arsenault. How are you, sir? Doing great, Kev. How are you this morning? Oh, you know, I'm. Uh, you know, we got the. I'm celebrating the Astros World Series win and depressed about the Saints season going in the tank. So it's got, my rain. My emotions are everywhere, just all over the place. I understand. Yeah, but definitely a team sport. Yes, definitely a team sport. Yes, I try to explain that to people. They just some just don't. They refuse to uh, admit it. All right, so. When you, I'm sure you had an idea it was possible because you know power rankings and all. 
good thing, bad thing to be playing someone you know so well and is so close to you? I mean, it's that's a complicated issue as well, I would think. Well, Kev, I mean, we, we, we always like to see fresh fresh faces in the playoffs. You know, we, we in 2011, we were the seventh seed. Rain was the 26th seed. We were 8-2. and two. They were 5-5. Five and five. We were coming off a Week 10 win against Eunice to win a district championship, and uh, that following Friday night didn't turn out so well for us. So we're, we're very wary of uh, where we are this Friday night. And um... – you you played earlier and it was just a wacky game. Like I, it, I mean the game. I, look, I covered your game at Iota that night, and that was a crazy game with all the turnovers. But it might have even been a crazier game against Rain. No, there were there were three kick returns in the game between both teams for touchdowns, and it, it was just it was it was a high scoring game. There was a a scooping score, and it, it was it was it was a crazy game. It was full of offense, that's for sure. So. Obviously, two teams, what was that, eight weeks ago or whatever, is a little different than they are now. So when you look at the recent films, I'm sure you looked at that film as well, but the recent film, what are the difference, what do you see that's different about Rain now than eight weeks ago? Well, they they, they kind of, I'm not going to say abandon the run, but they're throwing the football a lot more than they were throwing it earlier in the year. I don't know if it's uh, whether the personnel to due to injuries or, you know, they just, feel really good about their passing game. So so they're they're willing to put the ball up in the air a lot more than they did uh the first time we played. But um, you know, they, they look very similar to how they looked in week three. Now they have two receivers that have put up some pretty nice numbers and the quarterback's been pretty steady. You know, last week against Iota, y'all did a much better job down the stretch with their passing game. But early on, uh Iota Renfro kid had some success throwing. So how worried are you about the defending the pass here? Well, I mean, we're, we're always worried coming off a week like we had last week. And, you know, a lot of that had to do with IOTA. But, you know, we, we didn't execute the way we needed to execute, neither offensively or defensively. So it's definitely a concern going into Friday night. All right. So a program like yours, an incredible success in recent years, and when you had won 31 straight regular season games, and you haven't had to play after a loss in a while. So, kind of, how have you kind of monitored, or what do you see in the mindset of the players and coaches? Because y'all are kind of like a fish out of water this week, I would think. Well, you know, we, we as a, as a staff, we talked about it Saturday. Uh, Monday was going to be the first time our kids practiced after a loss. Um, so we, we were a little bit concerned. What was our mindset going to be? You know, what was the attitude? But we put together two really good days of practice, uh, probably two of the better days in the last three weeks. Um, you know, three weeks ago, we, we didn't even get a day of practice because we had so many kids out with the flu. And we, we've kind of been in a little tailspin ever since then. And so we were a little bit concerned. But Monday and Tuesday were two really good days. Um, I'm, I'm a coach who's not big on contact after week three of the season because I prefer to have my kids on uh, Fridays and not lose them during the week, you know. So, um, so, so we were a little bit concerned, but, you know, the, the kids responded. Um, two, two really good days. I'll just leave it at that. 
All right, so in terms of the bracket, and you said at the very top you kind of prefer to play teams that you don't know very well, and you look at the bracket, the bottom half of the bracket you're in, we got Opelousas at the three, we got, say, Martinville at the 11, you got you at the seven, Rain, you're playing at 26, below that is Norfamillion at 23, Erath at 15, Eunice at 18. This is incredible. No, it's it's. You know, we, we knew it was going to be a unique situation with them changing uh, the, the bracket format in early in the year, you know, after the season had kind of already started. And um, it, it's there's a lot of familiar faces in, in our half of the bracket. You know, we, we played Eunice earlier this year. We played um, uh, Erat the last couple of years in Jamboree. And, you know, uh, North Vermillion, Coach Blakey and I, they made the transition to the wing tee. So we spent a lot of time together in the off season. Um, so it's, it's there, there's plenty of teams there that uh, we'll be familiar with, you know? So um, it, it's, it's just going to be a crazy year, how the brackets are going to shake out there. There's going to be a lot of upset. All right. So overall though, in, in your mind, not just your, your team and your bracket necessarily, but, Overall, as well, do you like this new thing or this new setup, this new format? It's—I don't know that I've totally wrapped my mind around it. Or, or is it more fair? What, 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 you, what is your assessment of it? Well, I mean, I think the the fact that it changed in midstream kind of makes it different. You know, you got schools that play each other during the regular season. That in the power rankings, you get points for playing up, but you're in the same bracket. You know. Um, you know, and let's say in our case, you know, we're a school of 520 students. We may end up having to play a school of 900 students. You know, so it's just different. It's it's going to take some time to get used to. But at the end of the day, it's it's what uh, the LHSA decided they thought was best, and it's it's what we're going to just fall in and have to adapt and and try to figure it out as we go. You know, the only thing I don't like is that they kind of change the rules of the game in midstream. Um. What's your gut feeling? How long will we be into this format? Or could it change, you know, a couple years down the road? Uh, I have a really strong feeling there's going to be a lot of discussion in January at the annual meetings. And this this may be a one-year deal or we'll get something very similar but a little bit adjusted because there's a lot of principals who feel they didn't have a say in the matter. Um, it was more just the executive committee that just kind of made the decision and, and, and rolled with it. So there's a lot of principals who didn't feel they had a say in uh, in the change. So, you know, it, I, I think it's a good thing. I You know, their, their big thing is, is we need fewer championships. So we went from nine to eight. I don't, I don't know what the <laughs> losing one championship, you know, but it, it's, it's different. It, it's a move in the right direction. I just think it's going to get tweaked a little bit by, um, by the principals in January. All right, so two of the teams, we know we know a lot about these teams, but on on your quadrant of the bracket, Franklin, you know, obviously you got to beat Rain. We all understand that, but just to knowledge of the teams, Franklin Parish, West Feliciana, do you what do you know about those clubs? Well, West Feliciana's loaded. You know, we played West Feliciana in the quarterfinals last year. They were a young, talented football team and everybody knew they were going to be uh, really good. So when uh, the numbers came out and they moved up to 4A, we were happy with that. And lo and behold, we end up in a quadrant with them in the playoffs, you know, because we thought we were going to be away from them. So 
they're a super talented football team. Uh, Franklin Parish is uh, full of big kids on the O-line, D-line. They're a spread football team. Um, you know, they, they play Neville, and they play in a very good 4A uh, district in central to north Louisiana in the Monroe area. So um, those, those are two pretty good football teams. So, again, you're going to – to advance to where y'all been in recent years, you're going to have to beat good 4A teams to do that at some point probably. No, no doubt. I mean, uh, the way it's going to fall out, I don't think we'll play a 3A football team. Uh, unbelievable. All right, so besides not fumbling the ball five times, um, what, 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 what is the key thing that y'all have to do if y'all are going to knock off rain? Or beat rain. Well, we got. Well, we got it. We got to continue to to be who we are. I mean, we're we're gonna control the game offensively. Defense has got to try to find a way to get get some stops. You know, and we just we can't turn the ball over when we have opportunities to score. We have to score. You know, the other night we really didn't get slowed down a whole bunch, other than we slowed ourselves down by putting the ball on the ground and and creating opportunities for our opponents. So. We can't do that in playoff football. The one thing we've preached uh, all week is the margin of error from this point on is very small. You know, one one mistake, it could be the difference in you could moving on or, or going home. And uh, you and I have talked a whole bunch, and, you know, we feel in high school football there's always four or five plays that are going to make the difference in a game. You just don't know where those four or five plays are going to come from. So being prepared and, and just being who you are and just uh, – Trying to play as hard as you can play is, is going to be the difference in playoff football. All right, one more thing. Well, may, maybe one more thing. Besides ball security, what is the thing since that week of the flu that y'all just haven't quite done as well as you were doing before that? Well, I, I just I just think the the overall um, willingness to prepare, you know, just being super focused on on trying to get things done and. Uh, Monday through Thursday, and that, that's why we are who we are because the kids bought in several years ago and, and what it takes to prepare Monday through Thursday to be ready for Friday. You know, and, and we only had uh, 12 kids available on a Monday for practice. We had 15 on the Tuesday. We got on the phone, called some parents. We did a walkthrough practice on Wednesday, and we won on Friday night. So I think it kind of tricked the kids into believing that this whole practice stuff really isn't that important, that we can not practice and win. So, you know, it's, it's trying to get that mindset changed back to if we do not prepare ourselves, we're, we're going to end up being a little bit disappointed on Friday night and it finally caught up to us this past week. All right, so Church Point Rain, uh, you know, obviously not very much distance between those two. A lot of familiarity. I'm sure you and Coach Kane Guidry are not like mortal enemies or anything. So this is kind of fun and uncomfortable at the same time playing these games. Yeah, we're neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so this is it's tricky, isn't it, uh, to game like this? Especially, you know, you went to rain high and. It's fun and tricky at the same time. Well, 100% correct. <laughs> All righty, sir. We appreciate your time as always. Good luck to y'all, and uh, should be should be lots of fun on uh, on Friday night. 
Absolutely. I appreciate the uh, the time, Kevin, as always. Go Bears. All right. Take care, Church Point head football coach John Craig Arsenault. No, that, that's funny. They're actually neighbors. I thought I had heard that in the conversations in the past, the two coaches. Uh, and so now, you know, they're playing in a playoff game. It's funny how that works. But, uh, you know, this bracket, there are 12 Acadiana area teams in this non-select Division Two bracket. And uh, and what's this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven of the twelve are all in, at the bottom there, and five of them are in the all in the little eighteen quadrant. So it's going to be very interesting to see how that plays out. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back with more on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the World Champion Houston Astros. Are you fluent in Footlish? Not to worry. We're here to help with the Footlish Dictionary. Z28. Z28. Now, a running back with great speed and start and go ability, like a Chevy Camaro that plays for the New Orleans Saints, also known as Alvin Camara. Now, back to the man with his very own language, Kevin Foote and Footnotes. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you that there's a great opportunity out there for small business owners. Delta Media is offering a one-day sale event for advertising where small business owners, which many people refer to as mom and pops, you can get thirty a 30-second spot for both radio and TV at a very affordable price. But the catch is it's a one-day event. That means you have to book it today and today only. So if you are a small business owner and you would like to get uh, part of this great offer, a 30-second spot for both radio and TV at a very affordable price, call Delta Media Sales Director John Ed Cochran today at 896 896- 2692. That's 896-2692. And for you um, Saints fans, that would be uh, Deuce McAllister and Davenport. 896-2692. Take advantage of this great Delta Media one-day small business advertising offer. All right, the game hotline is 706-0111, 706-0111. If you would like to uh, discuss anything about the high school football playoffs, including this juicy matchup between Rain and Church Point that we were just discussing discussing with Coach Arsenal, feel free to do that. If you'd like to talk LSU football, we talked with Koki Riley. He talked about LSU, Arkansas, LSU, and the national championship picture. It's crazy the way that worked out. Certainly feel free to do that. Again, the game hotline is 706-0111. Also, a little bit of news The UL game tomorrow, which we talked about with Cody Juno yesterday and a little bit at the top of the the first hour today, that has been moved from ESPNU to ESPN2. So, you know, if you, depending on what kind of services you have TV wise, it may not, instead of, like in my house, it would be, that would mean instead of punching in 208 I think it is you would punch in 209 so it's not a huge deal but on the ladder of importance you know ESPN 2's you know it's ESPN then ESPN 2 then ESPN U so it's an elevation and so 
uh, and a change. So just in case you were planning on, hopefully you're going to the game. But if you're not going to be going to Cajun Field tomorrow night um, and you were planning on staying home, you would get that game, Georgia Southern versus UL, on ESPN2 now. So, um, to my knowledge, and again, this whole Wednesday, I mean Thursday night or Friday night thing can get tricky sometimes during the course of the regular season. They change them during the week a couple times. It's different than what's on the schedule or the website, or it's different from the schedule you get from the official. So we get curveballs here and there. And, um, you know, not as, you know, sometimes I am like the Phillies trying to hit Framer Valdez's curveball, not very successfully. So, but to my knowledge, the only Acadian area team that's playing on Thursday is St. Martinville. St. Martinville was playing DeRitter uh, tomorrow night, and the winner of that game will play the Wasman Lutcher game. Wow. That's a, you know, you know, Wasman's four and six this year, but I can remember many, many years ago, Wasman was a powerhouse. Lutcher's been a powerhouse in this state for a long, long time. So, Maybe they're doing it for scouting. I don't really know the reason why they're doing it exactly. But uh, St. Martinville was scheduled to play tomorrow night against the Ritter. The Dragons. And both teams are 6-4. and four. Should, be, should be a really good game. So if, you, if you're not a Cajun fan or you're not going to Cajun Field or you want to go watch a high school football game tomorrow night, not a bad one to go watch. The Ritter at St. Martinville. If you have not seen... Stephen Blanco, the running back from St. Martinville, he is worth the price of admission. He is really good. Uh, Harvey Broussard, the wide receiver, really good. Uh, St. Martinville had a tough schedule, and they lost some games early, but I saw him against Lafayette High. They got – Blanco, is, he is really good. And so he's. if you're a high school football fan, I would suggest you um, go make the short trip to St. Martinville. He is – he is definitely worth the price of admission. Let's go back to the game hotline. Hello. Good morning, sir. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm all right. Hey, listen, uh, one funny thing, uh, while I was watching you on your uh, the World Series live game, <laughs> so the, the one great thing about being fat, and I'm, I'm with you, you could call somebody else fat. So you kept telling them, I hate it. I hated fat face. I, listen, Kevin, that was so so I said, this guy's calling somebody fat, and he's like three almond jars. <laughs> I mean, what's going on over there? It was so funny. But uh, another thing is, Northside, they, they made the playoffs, right? Northside made the playoffs, absolutely. Uh, you know, you know, I was happy for them because when you go through what they have to go through in that district, there should be some reward to it, and, and, and they got one, so that's good. Yeah, it's just, it's got to be hard for them to pull players around, man, because it's it's slim pickings out there. You know, they're getting squeezed in like that. But how? So you know, my question every year about Northside: Do we got a nose guard kicking, or we got a regular? No, kick it, 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 I, I did cover them, and they are kicking, but no, it, it is not. Um, it's not. A, it's not a nose guard. Uh, you know, they've gone for two some, you know, I wouldn't say expert, but he's not bad. I've seen worse. Northside, by the way, is playing, uh, St. Louis, uh, Catholic out of, uh, Lake Charles. 
Uh, you know, the fact that Northside is in a private school select bracket, I still cannot wrap my mind around that. But that's what they are. Yeah. They're playing St. Louis Catholic in Lake Charles. Yeah, all that select stuff is kind of wacky. <laughs> you know, all the all the soccer all the soccer teams they got around here. You, you can't find a kick. I don't. Understand. Well, it's not. It's not just. You know, there are a lot of schools. UL can't find a kicker. Yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, I mean how, can we just get, have a, a, a tryout thing? Let's get some people out there to try out. Let's get it. You I mean, had a, UL hasn't been great at kicking. You know, in in over ten years. I mean, it, 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 it's it's baffling. So the Saints, I mean, you know, you might as well just throw Hill in there and let him quarterback the rest of the year, and then, then evaluate yourself at the end of the year on what you want to do and just clean house. I mean, I don't know. Can you imagine? Can you imagine having this? He, he he's a weapon. I mean, you don't have to like Batman, but you can't say the man's not a weapon. The man played no, two I'm plays. You might as well put him in there and let him run the quarterback. Let's right. Can, but can you imagine he played two, two plays? That's yeah. I to look me. I'm not a Saints fan by far, but Dennis Allen ain't the answer. I, I don't know what to tell y'all. But I, but I don't think that's Dennis Allen. Now it's Dennis Allen's fault in that he's the head coach, but he's not calling out. I mean how? I mean the the first like the first drive of the game they had a third and one and, and, and seven's not even on the field. Like what are they doing? Yeah, I don't I don't get it. I don't. It is kind of crazy. But listen. I mean, my Bears are looking. I mean, I got something to look forward to, I guess. I don't know. Your Bears. I mean, how often have the Bears in the last four or five years lost 30-something to 30-something? Like, what what kind of football are you playing now? What's going on there? (laughs) Well, they gave up all their defensive players uh, (laughs) a couple of weeks ago. I don't know. That's crazy. Okay. But uh, big win by the Astros, man. Congratulations, and I'll, uh, I'll holler at you later. All right. Take care. Thank you very much. No, it's um. Is it just me? And I know it. You know, again, we tend to be about our team, and but this is this might be the craziest year in the NFL in recent memory, maybe ever. Like this is a crazy year in the NFL. The Chicago Bears are playing thirty to thirty something game, and it's not just one. I mean, they played some high scoring game. What is, what is going on over there? But it's not just the Bears. It's all over the place. And then, on top of it all, so many people around the country, and I get why. Um, our friend John Dugall, Dugall, who works at UL, he, he's a lifelong Buffalo Bills fan. And, and I, I don't get to see him often, but I ran across him in the parking lot at UL one day, coming from a press conference or something, and it was the, the begin. It was I think it was before the season started. It might have been in August or early September. And I said, "You can't like the fact that everybody is saying you're going to win the Super Bowl." He goes, "No, I wish they would stop doing that." But it's it's like you know it, it's a red flag deal. And look, I, I'm all in. I got a wide receiver. I drafted Josh Allen. Oh, you know. In my fantasy league in the first round, I got their kicker from Georgia Southern, Tyler Bass. Georgia Southern is PKU. Um, but here we go. So many people all around the country said the Buffalo Bills. I mean, they almost a shoe in, and now and now Josh Allen is hurt. You know, you hear. I, I don't know that anybody knows exactly how long he's going to be out. You heard three, four weeks, that kind of stuff. I don't know. Fantasy wise, it's going to kill me, obviously. But um. 
But in terms of just – that just adds to the craziness that is the NFL season this year. Like, the Minnesota Vikings have one loss. But if I was going to say what game – the best game – that and they didn't play great, but the best game the Saints – well, I guess you'd have to say the Raider game – but the but you know of all the Saints losses that was they got cheated they outplayed the Vikings in London they outplayed them they should have won the officials cheated that game stole the game from the Saints of course thankfully they repaid back because Seattle's actually got a winning record they're playing pretty well Saints the, the officials cheated they they handed the Saints that game Saints played pretty well on offense in that game miserable on defense and the officials handed it to them one week after stealing one from them. Uh, in London. But, like, does anybody really think the Vikings can't get beat in the playoffs? Now, the Eagles is a whole different animal. I, I don't. The Saints could play the Eagles 100 times. I don't think they'd beat them one time. I think the Eagles would win. If the Saints, and, and this is hypothetical, obviously, if the Saints played the Eagles 100 times, I'm not talking about if the Eagles don't play their players, which would be the only hope to say. The Saints, if the if the Saints played the Eagles 100 times in September and October, the Eagles would win 100 times. The, the Saints cannot beat them. It's no way. No way. They have no idea how to beat that team. None. None. They have no idea. They would lose 100 out of 100. I mean, if the Saints played the Chiefs 100 times in September or October, I, I think they could beat them, you know, 35 times out of 100 at least. The Eagles, they'd lose 100 out of 100. They'd lose every time, every time. They can't. They have no chance of beating that team. So I, I'm not going to say anything bad about the Eagles. I mean, uh, you know, again, the only, th- the only chance the Saints have of beating them is if they're like 14-0 and or 14-1 and or whatever. I don't I, – I think they would – what is that? They would have played 15 games, I think. You know, 15 – 14-1 or 15-0. That's the only and – they, and they just have nothing to play for. And that's the only way. They had no chance of beating that team other than that. But uh, So I ain't going to say anything. But other the Eagles, who, but the Vikings, who, who can't beat the Vikings? I think the Saints can beat the Vikings other than the Vikings historically torture the Saints. But in terms of two teams, I think the Saints can beat the Vikings. I wouldn't be afraid of playing the Vikings. I'd be real afraid of playing the Eagles. No part of the Eagles. I mean, if you play the Eagles in the playoffs, if you're the Saints, you just might as well just forfeit. I know I'm being silly, but you might as well just fart. You have no chance. All right. We'll take a timeout, come back, finish out today's show on the game. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Footnotes. Kevin Foot on the game. Want to remind you, uh, if your Alexa or Google Home speaker at home help you out, it allows you to control lights and thermostats and all kinds of things. It also can get you to hooked up with the, listening to the game. Um, all you have to do is say the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy on your Alexa or Google Home speaker. And so you can do smart thing, the smart thing, by having the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. With you, home, away, at your office, everywhere you go through your Alexa or Google Home speaker. All right. It has been a crazy um, week and fun day. We talked LSU football. 
talked high school football, and, and I thought Coach Arsenault brought up some very interesting points about this new bracket system. For those of you who may be unfamiliar, I don't remember. It was like week one or two of the regular season, and, and they came out and they said, okay, this is how we're doing the brackets this year. And the, since they went to the split, we've had four uh, what I call public school brackets and five what I ca- uh, call private school or non or select brackets. And what they did this year is they limited, they divided, they divide, redivided it. They re, you know, they kind of redid the requirements for whether you were a select school or a non-select school. And if you had a way of getting students, and it's still not perfect because there are people that get students. There are people in the non-select brackets that still get students outside their district. So even though they done that, decide don't be fooled by this. Like, there are still schools in the non-select bracket that have students going to their schools and players on their football team that, that from outside not only the district but outside their parish even. That still exists. That still happens. But it's more than it used to be, okay? So you, you have schools like Acadiana and Karen Crew, and like we just mentioned, Northside, everyone has an academy in Lafayette Parish, except for Southside. So all the Lafayette Parish schools are in select brackets, uh, except for Southside, who is in a non-select bracket. (laughs) It's just, if you think about it too much, your head will explode because there's so many things. The fact that Southside is in a a non-select bracket and Northside High School is in a select bracket. Can there's just something about that that just doesn't seem to add up to the logical mind. But you know, that's just the way. That's where we are. And and so, it, you know, again to Coach Arsenault's point, it, it's it's probably going to be similar in the future. But he his suggestion or best guess is that it will probably be tweaked somewhat. Uh, after you know when they get to the LHSA convention in January. But for now, this is what we have. And we've got uh, four non-select brackets, four select brackets. And if you want to look at a powerhouse bracket, look at the select Division I bracket, where you have, in addition to Acadiana and Karen Crow, such schools as Warren Easton and Brother Martin and uh, John Curtis and Jesuit and Bird and Carr and Scotlandville and Rummel and, you know, just name Catholic of Baton Rouge, just brutal bracket, brutal, brutal bracket. But it's fun, fun for the playoffs. And, again, say Marville plays tomorrow night and the rest of our teams that are not on buys will play on Friday. Should be lots of fun. All right, one day away. Tomorrow's game day. <sighs> Crazy. Have a nice day.